Happy New Year from the Taste Crew. I'm your host, Mike Farher. And if you grew up in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and you're Irish-American, you definitely know about the Irish Catskills up in East Durham, New York. Bernadette Gavin Palmieri has been running Gavin's Irish Country Inn and has kept it in the family for many, many years now. And we welcome her on this edition of Taste, where she talks about how that area of the country has changed, how nothing has changed, and how to make that perfect scone or Irish soda bread each and every time. Welcome to another edition of Taste, and I am so excited to bring this next guest on. This is Bernadette Galvin Palmieri, and she is the owner of Gavin's Irish Country Inn up in the Irish Catskills in New York. And it's just a uh, thrill to have her on and her and her husband are doing the Lord's work, keeping the Irish tradition that many of us grew up with alive. So Bernadette, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for uh, bringing us on today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because I, as you know, I was up there to visit you guys in September and that was my first time back in almost 40 years. And we spent summers, you know, the summers that we weren't able to afford to go back to Ireland, my family would take us up to Gavin's. And so there was many, many summers that we spent up there. And what I was really struck by was how it was exactly how I remembered it, but it was also modernized. I could tell your touches to it as the next generation took it over. And it was just such a, a, a wonderful, wonderful visit. And I, I was just, I remember leaving there thinking, thank God for Bernadette. Thank God for this staff, for keeping this experience alive. Because it is such a, I would say an unsung part of the Irish American history and culture. So Thank you for doing what you're doing. And I just had the time of my life up at the at the Gavin's Country Inn. It was like it was like revisiting an old friend. <laughs> well, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about why don't we get talk a little bit about the history, first of all, of the, the country inn. Uh, how did it start? And um, when did you take it over? Yeah. So the um the true history is actually we um the inn started off as a farm in the late 1800s um, by the uh, Van Tassel family. And they would have owned most of the land in Durham. Um, and the original farmhouse is actually now the lobby of Gavin's. And then in 1923, the Scutch family purchased the property and turned it into Golden Hill House, which is the name of our road, Golden Hill Road. So next year actually will be the hundredth year that our inn has been operating without closing. Um, so that's kind of an exciting year. And um, they had, you know, pretty much uh, welcomed a lot of German Americans and um, I think people from uh, you know, a lot of Dutch customers during that time period. And then in the forties, 1940, Mary Harnett Boyle from County Kerry 
came and she purchased me in. Um, and I we asked my mom again today because I was just curious. We were talking about a lot of things in our family today. And Mary um, lived in New York City, came from Carrie. Um, she actually did get married, but after she had purchased the inn. And I said, Mom, how did she ever be able to afford an inn in 1940 as a woman? She was, I don't know. She just was very good at saving. And um, so she she ran the inn from 1940, I think it was 41, until my grandparents came on vacation and fell in love with the place. And they purchased it in 1961. My grandparents, uh, Nellie and Jim Gavin, were from County Mayo, Ireland, originally. And my grandfather at the time owned a bar in Yonkers. Now I'm actually just there today, um, near Gettysburg Square. Um, I think that's what it's called, near the train station in Yonkers. And then they would have eight children. And they came up to the Catskills on vacation and fell in love with the place. And then at age 50, my grandfather purchased the inn. Um, and it was a gradual move up to the Catskills. It wasn't like they purchased the inn and, you know, they didn't sell their house in Yonkers right away. They still had, you know, some children in high school and college and things. So they would gradually um, move up here permanently. It's been going since then. And then um, my, my father was always a part of that experience. He, he, would, he was attending Fordham University at the time. And then he would meet my mom in the Catskills as well. And they would eventually, they got married in the Bronx. And then they came up to the Catskills after their first son was born, my brother, John. Uh, and then they would eventually, they would partner with my grandparents the whole entire time. And then um, I want to say in the 90s, they became the innkeepers. And then my husband and I became the innkeepers in 2012 through today. That's a little bit of history. <laughs> well, that's quite a mouthful. It's, it's incredible that your grandfather would have, at the age of 50, when, first of all, the lifespan back then probably wasn't super long, right? It's gotten progressively, the lifespan has improved over the years. Um, but that's a big move to switch gears like that in your 50s. And, and based on what you just shared around the history, you know, it was catering to the Dutch, it was catering to Germans, and then eventually it became Gavin's Irish country in, right? And now, and when I was going there in the 70s, it was established that that was the Irish Catskills. That was, so is it fair to say that you guys probably pioneered the, what was the first Irish flag, so to speak, or one of the first Irish flags, maybe not the first, but one of the first Irish flags uh, into the soil there to, to claim that part of East Durham is our own? Yes, yeah, we are definitely one of the, you know, mainstays that, you know, made the Irish Catskills, the Irish Catskills, yes. And and there was many of us, um, <laughs> uh, but we were, and now we're one of the last of the Mohegans still here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's pretty real. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know there was only, there were some hotels I remember that were just sitting there vacant. And then there was also some that you could really tell, uh, like yours, that people were not only keeping the tradition going, but expanding it and, and building on it. And I loved how, for instance, uh, when I was there, that there was a, you know, a pickup truck came rolling up the hill and 
out popped a rock climbing wall. And, you know, it was a, all the kids were climbing the rock climbing wall. And then you had the Susan and Gerard band playing the, the countrified polka thing that uh, they did that, you know, and, and, and all the, the older crowd was, was gravitating towards that. So I just thought in that moment on your lawn to the right was Susan and Gerard and to your left was the rock climbing wall that was literally something for every age group in the family and I thought that was something that was uh, uh again a modern touch because I remember when I went there you know my we would basically <laughs> unpack out of the room and my parents would be like yep there's the pool see ya <laughs> but you really had like a real wealth of, of of activities for the kids you know yeah so I mean the Catskills in all fairness, the Catskills, I'm sure you know, has become a very trendy place to come. Um, it was becoming that way before the pandemic. And then since the pandemic, you know, our area is just, how can I say it, becoming this, uh, basically the way it started. You know, the Catskills was a very big mecca in the early 1900s. We're also becoming a very big, you know, place now. I think people are appreciating nature. And when they come up to the Catskills in a place like Gavin's, it, it's still very unique because you have your Irish culture there. And then you also have a place where kids can run free. Um, you know, you have swings and you have the pool. And yes, back in the day, my family included, you know, you just kind of let your, you didn't really kind of keep tabs, tabs on the kids like we do now. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, you know, we have more involved activities, um, more modern, I guess, you know, like I said, the karaoke, we do the outdoor karaoke, the outdoor movie nights, you know, the bonfires. Um, and like I said, this, you know, the, during the day we do, you know, the bingo and the games and arts and crafts and things like that. So definitely we kind of um, blend the American kind of outdoor fun country vacation with the Irish culture um so it's kind of you know you're kind of have a balance right but if you think about uh, irish america you know you kind of have to go in that direction um originally you would have had the irish immigrant family coming up um but now this could be third fourth fifth generation irish american um, but I will say during the pandemic, we had an, like what you were saying, where you said your family couldn't afford to go back to Ireland. We, we did, we have seen an enormous um, amount of the Irish families coming back too. So now we kind of have a, a wide range of everything. <laughs> well, I was, I, it's interesting you say that because that was one of the things I was going to bring up is that it was really cool as I looked at the table uh, at the breakfast room there was definitely you know an older crowd and those are probably my parents age your parents age that were there for the weekend and then you really got a sense that there were you know construction workers and bar owners and and whatnot that were probably in the McLean Avenue area and this was maybe the only vacation they were going to get for the weekend right for the whole right. year and um, I was very moved by that because that was very much you know my mom and dad were my mom was a waitress. My dad was on the New Jersey Turnpike. It was, you know, uh, I don't know if you'd call it whatever, middle class or lower middle class. It was an immigrant class, I would call it. 
uh, background. And, and, you know, again, this was, we went up to Gavin's to make sure that we had a break from it all and make sure we had a vacation and make sure we restored, but it was also a way to kind of save up for Ireland two years later. So, you know, it was two years, two years at Gavin's and on the third year, we might go to Ireland as an example. And, and it, it was, I saw that part of the tradition very much alive to your point. Um, one of the other things is you move out of the lobby, right? Then I love the next room to your, you know, behind the desk. Well, no, I'm sorry, not behind the desk. In front of the desk, you walk down the stairs and there's what's called the tea room. So with all <laughs> those Irish mothers, you damn well better have a tea room. And then you go, <laughs> and then you go across the lane again and there's the breakfast and the lunch room and whatnot but then you go down the hill again and uh there's the pub and i and thought and an outdoor pool bar don't forget about the outdoor pool bar <laughs> of course we cannot forget the outdoor pool bar i was gonna i was gonna round the bases towards that but uh, oh, oh um, sorry yeah when i was there no funny i'm kidding when i was there um you know again there was susan and gerard there but there was also a gentleman you probably know his name um he was kind of a rockabilly guitarist um and you know there was a couple of different either professional or not so professional singers in the audience you know and then obviously susan and gerard as an example would be professional but my uncle who's got a great voice from county limerick he went up there and what i thought was pretty amazing was this rockabilly guitarist was holding down the riffs of american rockabilly stray cats kind of stuff but then he was able to like join this other person and get on an acoustic guitar and do you know the irish ballads and the irish sing-alongs and i, uh -huh. I just thought that was so quintessential gavin's uh -huh. probably not even intentional on your part maybe it was that stage was literally a rockabilly guy a, a, a singer from mayo with her husband and then a few other people that would come up and 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 do the ballads and it was just such a great night of entertainment and the bar is like you know the knotty pine bar that that you just love it was just such a great experience oh thank you yeah no it's um i think we said it's it's a lot of it is organic you know we just kind of it was funny like the tea room that you mentioned before was actually a barn um, and you know, everyone now wants to ha wants to go to a place that has a barn and event barn, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. but everything kind of just has happened naturally. Um, and you just kind of, as the customers come, you kind of gauge what they're looking for. And um, a lot of our entertainers, we try to make sure that they are sort of aware um, that you know, there's there's. The, you have to have most entertainers know that you have to have some Irish music but also Americana music but I wouldn't say it's you know it's not like a scheduled sort of thing you know it's just kind of like yeah, yeah we have this Irish clientele and this American clientele and try to play both <laughs> well I know that you know some of the people that go up there and really just pack that place for you is Willie Lynch and mm -hmm. you'll have Andy Cooney right and you'll have um, so many of those other kinds of entertainers and those folks have been coming up there for years and they know their crowd and they know the Irish and they they're consummate performers where they can 
take a request uh and then two seconds later even if they don't know the song they've got to figure it out and uh you always have had some of the premier irish and irish american performers at gavin's and you've also been great to actually import some people that you may not know over from ireland and really give okay. them their first break which i think is is a great yes. way to kind of uh help keep the Irish culture alive. So talk to me a little bit about how do you come across some of those bands that you've you've brought over before anybody else has when they've gone out to, you know, find a an American audience for themselves. Yeah, I mean, obviously we would talk with entertainers within the group um of people that we know and then I've found a lot of entertainers honestly on Facebook, believe it or not. Um I, I remember this one band called Slancha. <laughs> They're actually American-based. They're graduates of Boston College. And I remember telling my husband, you know, we need to find some new music. It's very hard to find new music. And, um, and yeah, I found them um, through somewhere online and messaged them. And they, they um, are actually one of our headliners for all of our big um, holiday weekends now. And we actually created an event called Boston and the Catskills um, because of them. And uh, Chrissy O'Toole actually helped me with that. And um, But it was all Slancha based and that they actually were able to get me the band Devry from Boston. I don't know if you've heard of them at all, but they're mm. fabulous. And um, they actually uh, headlined our Guinness Festival this past year. So... You know, it's it's very interesting. I and mean, sometimes, you know, we hire people like agents. Um, we've worked with the high, well, I mean, the high kings, I did work with an agency, um, but they necessarily wouldn't have been the first time out to Ireland. You know, to yeah. But just a lot of different, you know, just a lot of different avenues. You know, it's amazing what the internet can do these days. <laughs> right. <laughs> to be right. Honest. It, I just hired other band, pardon Oh, I was just going to say that one of the things that was kind of interesting is that when I was writing for the Irish Voice for, gosh, 18 years, I started in 1997 and I had the music column there from 1997 to 2015. And, you know, I'm not saying this because of a head trip or anything, but if you were going to break an Irish band in America or an Irish American band in in America, you went to one of two places. You went to the Irish Echo or you went to the Irish Voice. And you'd probably read about the Black 47s of the world in one of those two papers. Because those right. two papers were really the gatekeepers of, and and I was a tastemaker. And again, I'm not saying that from an ego perspective. I'm saying that from, you know, there's only two papers in, on the planet that, that really catered to the Irish American uh, market. But now to your point, there's so many Facebook groups and there's so many places where the bands, we don't even get CDs sent into the mail room at the Irish voice anymore. Everybody's just sending you a SoundCloud link. And it's a lot easier to, I would imagine for yourself to find those uh, hard to find people on the internet and, and give them a chance. And I think that just hats off to you, Bernadette, because that's, that's a vital opportunity for you to keep new bands going because you go to these Irish festivals and it's the same bands and there's nine different versions and no nay never and it's like 
where's the new stuff coming from? And I, I really applaud the fact that you do do the Guinness festivals and you do do some of those festivals and seek out those bands to give them an audience here so that it doesn't get stale. Right. You know, and like I said, we, um, you know, we try as much as we can with what we, we, you know, can afford at that given moment, you know, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I just wish there was more, you know, like you said, the echo and the voice were really great spots. Um, but if there was a way for Ireland and the U.S. to somehow, you know, help, because we would, I would love to have more Irish artists, you know, and hire them for the summertime up at the Catskills. But you just can't afford, because now you have to do visas. <laughs> well, that's it. They can, then they can't afford it either. They have to make it. Expensive. And so they they have to pay. There's a big expense for them to come here. And then they need so many gigs and et cetera. And then so for them to come to a place like Gavin's, you know, we just, it becomes very cost prohibitive um, unless you get lucky and you get them like on a tour, like if they're already doing a tour, you know, something like that. But yeah, but we're always, we're always, you know, we, we have hired some entertainers over the years that just sort of clicked. Like I said, that Slancha one, I know that we had a couple, we had a Sheridan Ruin that's from Rockland County. They actually walked into my office and asked for a chance. And I said, you know what? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Well, I, I, I can give you a couple of names uh, when we get off the air for sure. And we'll, um, we'll be right back right after this. Taste Season 2 is sponsored by the good folks at Career Letters, careerletters.com. They specialize in professional branding, resume writing, LinkedIn optimization. And what a perfect time to be looking at your career, your resume, your LinkedIn profile. Is it all optimized to find that next career of your dreams? We're heading into the final months of the year. This is the time to be looking for a job now so that you can actually find and land the job of your dreams next year. Visit careerletters.com for more information. And we're back with Bernadette Gavin Palmieri from Gavin's Irish Country Inn, having a great conversation with her. Out of all the things and the rock and roll musical moments you've had in that bar over the years, what are some of your magical moments that you remember? Jeez. Well, I would say probably the first time we had Shalili Law come to Gavin's. That was um, for our first Gavin Stock weekend. <laughs> Did you have uh, your Did you have your insurance uh, policy paid up? Because those, those McCarthy boys can just really uh, ruin a place. <laughs> yeah, they 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 we did okay, thank goodness. But you know that was really magical. I mean, to have a headliner come to you, you know, like that, and um, you know, they just they brought their fan cl club, their fan base is just amazing. And um, another big moment was when we had Cherish the Ladies when I was before I owned Gavin's and they played outside um, on an outdoor concert right outside on the lawn where the bonfire pit actually is located. That's where the chairs were. And they were up on the hill uh, where the bandstand is now. But we didn't have any of that back then. And they came and all the dads sang um, with them. They're like Joni Manon's dad and all the dads of that mm. group that that day um and it was a perfect evening and the stars were shining and the music was just I was like we've never had you know music like this before um and then 
when I go, when I honestly, when I think about my childhood and Dermot Henry and the cars going up and down the road and, you know, the dancing and the Noel Henry band, I mean, yes, we've had so many magical moments, you know, Andy Cooney and Patty Noonan together, just so many magical moments like that over the years that we've, that we've had. But I think our events that we do are pretty much the big, what's, where it's, you know, cause you can put 10 acts on in a day. So yeah. <laughs> larger events. Um, in fact, I, that's kind of what I'm looking at is to try to do, you know, can we do more of those music oriented events because we do so many family reunions now that takes, you know, because the family reunion market, some are really into the music and some, you know, aren't as into it. So if we have music-based weekends, um, you know, Boston and the Catskills, the first year we did that, that was so cool. You know, events like that, those are really magic moments. Great. Well, because this is Taste, as I mentioned, this is a uh, sort of a food podcast, but it's sort of a food and culture podcast. Um, I know one of the things that you're famous for and your family's favorite for are your scones and your soda bread recipes. So Yes. Um, what does somebody need to know about baking scones that, that they'll come out perfect every time? <laughs> well, we do sell. Um, my father has, I don't know if you knew this, but if you Nellie Gavin's Irish bread, um, bread mixes and scone mixes, and we sell them in the supermarkets uh, all throughout the Northeast. So get the back, the box of the Nellie Gavin's mix. <laughs> And the biggest thing for scones and Irish soda bread is to preheat your oven. I actually, one of the things we splurged on in my own home is I have a quick bake oven, which is is kind of like a convection oven, but it's electric based because, you know, we couldn't afford the convection baked oven. So we have a quick bake oven, um, which makes the heat gap, you know, and it kind of creates um doesn't burn your bread as much and it keeps it more balanced and the other big thing um gosh there's so many tricks you really <laughs> um let's think try to think now when you're doing bread you want to melt the butter when you're doing scone it's a cold cut butter so um you know, that's a big difference. That was actually the aha moment um, because when we first started, so my grandmother never made scones. Um, she only made Irish soda bread. So her bread recipe that she came over and, you know, she came over during the depression um, and made Irish soda bread and we make it just like she did today. Um, she made it out of a pizza oven. That bread, she would never have known that we would have 10 other varieties of breads. So, but that's a melted bread, melted butter um, for, for the bread. When you go to scones, it's cold cut butter. Um, and I mean, the secret ingredient to everything is love, right? <laughs> so just, you know, just like making cookies, you know, like chocolate chip cookies, dough is kind of what your scone scone dough recipe should be like sure so. sure yeah i have a i actually have a ceramic irish soda bread pan that has celtic knots on the bottom of it i bake my soda bread i make it from scratch and i will put it in that and then on the bottom of it it has all the celtic knots and i i entered it into the church bake-off this year 
and they were like totally flabbergasted that a man entered the baking contest right and <laughs> it came in second which i was really excited about and i think i think i think i think i won i probably won close to the taste category but i definitely won best in show with those uh <laughs> those celtic knots on the bottom of my yeah, that's nice that sounds it, like it was funny. very very nice and then i use mostly the ina garten scone recipe and to your point it's a cranberry orange scone and she always says cold butter chopped into little pieces and yes. i don't know what it does about in the baking process that it slowly melt down and evenly spreads it but it it just has that buttery taste that that a, a, a soda bread won't have and i i went from having the soda bread loaf to putting it in a muffin tin so the muffin tin so it was sort of like soda bread muffins but they're kind of like scones to the full-blown buttery decadent scone i've done all three of those and i don't know which one's my favorite we use an ice cream scoop for the portions you know like oh. the yeah so that's the other trick is an ice cream scoop and then um maybe the lingers oh we do the cranberry orange scone too uh, I, I, oh buttermilk you want to make sure you always use buttermilk right versus regular milk if you can of course of course yeah because that can have a big taste difference too <laughs> that's right there you go so how do people get in touch if they wanted to do a reunion or if they wanted to book a getaway and by the way i again would highly recommend a getaway at gavin's irish country inn for especially the stressful stressful times that we're living in right now especially with the holidays i would tell you that a weekend at gavin's would make a perfect gift for your family family reunion this christmas we have your holiday shopping done folks already bernadette tell us how we can reach gavin's Yes, of course. Well, we have a website, gavins.com. We also have a Facebook page called Gavin's Irish Country Inn. Um, and our reservation number is 518-634-2582. And we also have our new sister property, Nellie's, um, which you can um, call us there, or come and visit us and try our Irish soda bread and scones all year long where we do have two vacation rentals available as well. And that's Nellie's of East Durham is the Facebook page for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, again, Bernadette, thank you for keeping Gavin's in the family. Thank you for keeping it alive. Uh, there's so many people that grew up in the seventies and eighties that are my age that we just have this fond memory of growing up in an immigrant household. And that was your escape from, you know, the soot of the city uh, to just go into this uh, wonderland in the in East Durham. So thank you for keeping it alive. Thank you for being on this podcast. And thank you for giving us those deep, dark secrets on scones and soda breads. We'll definitely be putting those to good use. Okay, sounds good. All right. Thank you. Bernadette and her husband, and her family are doing the Lord's work, keeping the traditions of Irish American Catskills alive up at Gavin's Irish Country Inn. And their scones are not to be believed, especially when they're served in the tea room of that country inn. Thanks for listening to Taste. This has been produced in a partnership with irishcentral.com. The episode has been produced by The Smiling Voice, my wife, Barbara Farraher. I love you, honey. And we'll see you next week.